Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm here again with Jay and Adam. Uh, we're going to talk about guns, silencers, mounts, optics, ammo, what and why, customer service, questions you ask, and stuff that's going on in the industry. Give it a listen. Okay. Well, we got questions off the, what is that, the Instagram story? Yep. So someone asked, when are we going to make California compliant Q guns? So. Uh, we make one, actually. Or two. Or two, I guess. Um, the fix, it's a bolt action. The, even the uh, mini fix is a bolt action pistol. So it's not on the scary weapons list of California. Why isn't it on the, the list? Because it's a bolt action. It's not semi-automatic. That's right. <laughs> All right, so we got a couple Cali- like said that. <laughs> Cal- <laughs> California compliant guns, yeah. just not the gas guns, which I assume mm-hmm. is what someone's trying to ask. Yeah, It's just not a priority. We'd love to sell them to California. I would love to sell them to California, the gas guns. But it's just we're so far backordered on the standard guns. That's why we're not trying to make state compliant ones. It's just more work. Uh, it's more of a pain for us. It's more difficult. And we sell every standard one that we make. So yeah, mm. it's a huge market though. So oh yeah, if they would just stop hating fun, then we'd be good. Yeah. So Connecticut, I don't know, New Jersey, Maryland, New York. Know, yeah, California, get shit together. Massachusetts. Yeah. So um, Jay, you probably know nothing about this. Silencer wraps. I know a couple things. Uh, what do you know about silencer uh, wraps? I know they. I I assume that. It lowers the life of your suppressor. <laughs> okay. We're gonna we're gonna move to Adam for <laughs> this one. <laughs> yeah, I just don't. I would never use one, so I don't really know or care. People ask me a lot. I, I don't typically use them because it just does add weight, keeps heat in the silencer. You would need it for a mirage. I think a lot of people use them because they look cool. They think I just don't like the extra stuff on my gun. Um, I I would only use it if I actually needed it for a mirage. And we did some neat stuff a while back. Ethan did. Um, with the paint, when we painted some silencers oh, yeah. and added some additive into the paint that helped to kill Mirage, so you didn't need to add a lot of weight in another part to your gun. With that said, um, Armageddon Gear, I think, makes probably a good one. There's Burn Proof. Coltac. Coltac does some, yep. Yeah, they made one for me that's bright orange. It's nice. Um, photographs well. I just, yeah, it don't makes stuff it. heavier, and I don't really need it, so I don't use them. Yeah, mirage reduction. Um, maybe if you're running, you know, a suppressed rifle in a class of some sort, and you're doing a lot of transitions, don't and you don't pants. want the thing to burn your leg or yeah. something. It's uh, oh, yeah. With that, yeah. with that said, once we actually made them for the MP7 mm. for uh, a group within SOCOM. Yeah. Um, and the reason was a guy was uh, using it, slung the gun, burned a hole through his pants, and yep. burned the back of his leg. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we did some silicone ones for them just so guys wouldn't burn themselves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's some practical uses for them, but they're not, you know, no offense to burn proof. Nothing's burn proof when you're putting it on a silencer. You can catch pretty much anything on fire. It does seem that way. Yeah. And I guess yeah. just for the everyday user, that's especially for, like, hunting, I don't think you really need to worry about burning your pants or necessarily mirage because it's not like you sent 15 rounds downrange before you engage an animal, hopefully. I don't know about you, maybe. Yeah, I mean – Hey, you're not going to kill it if you don't send That's some right, bullets, yeah. man. 
they might stop you from like bouncing your silencer off of a tree stand and making noise. You know, I did see something interesting though with with the whole burn aspect the, the other night when I was at uh, White Birch shooting. Um, and their range is awesome, the indoor range. They have mats for every little bench you shoot from. And uh, my son was like, look, someone shot the bench. And I was like, eh, nope, that's where someone laid a hot silencer yep. on the bench and burned a hole through the, the mat. So many fix, accessories, conversions, and caliber options. So I think this is a future question. Yeah. What are we going to well, do? We have plans, though. I mean, as far as conversions and caliber options, it's any barrel that can be used essentially on any gun that takes an AR mag, right? It's got the AR mag well, so, yeah. you know, the obvious one for us next is the 5.56 barrels, 16-inch and shorter, 12 and 3 quarter. Um, and anything beyond that, we can do whatever there's demand for. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, the next one I could see after that is 6.5 Grindel, but the problem with Grindel is it's going to use a different mag and also a different bolt where 223 obviously is the same as blackout so that'll require some r&d we do have some 224 bolts so mm. next question Flop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um okay are we going to increase gas gun production because of biden that doesn't really make sense wouldn't it be the opposite well i guess they're saying before like he bans oh, the guns are we going to try to get more in there I mean, we're shipping as many as we can regardless, yeah. or is it irregardless? No, that is incorrect. <laughs> that, is, that is the ignorant uh -huh. way of saying yeah. it. I mean, to me, I think it's it's hard to chase in all the political stuff. Like, we just, we got to stay the course. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to swap up production just to accommodate building more of those. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think it's worse in the long run. I think we just stay the course of what we were planning mm -hmm. uh, uh, with and we've been back ordered do? since before Trump was president, so I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it, we can keep ramping. We'll we'll be caught up by the time there's another president after Biden. Yeah. Okay. So as or the CEO, Trump, what you are you going to do? You got. Uh, we're going to develop new products that are political proof. What temperature do flip flops go away? I personally put the flip flops <laughs> away like a year ago, and I will run Crocs now, like <laughs> my dad. So. I was a hater for a long time, but Crocs are the thing. You can put little, like, I don't remember what they're called, gibbets or something. You can put little <laughs> plugs in them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can put little plugs in them and all your, we don't, that's the next Q <coughs> product is Croc gibbets. Oh, God. I just released. Know your audience. I just released <laughs> the information. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah okay, I won't so be caught dead wearing Crocs, probably ever. That's what I said, but once yeah. you put them on, you won't take them off. Hmm. Okay, so note to self, don't put Crocs on. They do have um, sport mode, though. Yeah, yeah, off-road adventures off and adventure stuff, mode. yeah. I haven't clicked into that yet, though. It's a whole other, no. whole well, other world. For for me, the flip-flops go away when it snows. That's, that's, I think that's, that's basically. a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why this was important, but th that's the answer. In Hawaii, they call them slippers. Right. Just a little fact. Yep. In Poland, apparently, they call them flippies, which... That makes right. sense. Do you differentiate between flip-flops and, like, a slide, like a Nike slide, or just... Yeah, that's a slide. That's not a flip-flop. All right. I think flip-flops the sound, so technically they're all flip-flops. Is it a thong? That's true. You're right, thongs. That's right, thongs. Mm. Or was that Australia or something? No, that's the, Cisco. Oh, that's right. Yeah, silver hair. Yeah. All right. Um, when do proof barrels make sense? 
So somebody's asking about, I, I like proof barrels. I just got some proof barrels. I'm going to take them on my next hunt. Um, when did they make sense? If you're trying to look cool, they always make sense. They, they, they are the greatest looking barrel ever produced. The Who hell was that? Was that, that? <laughs> was that you? <laughs> was a demon or something? <laughs> that was your insides? Yeah, it scared uh, me. <laughs> Well, what did they do? They back to proof. Um, <laughs> what what do they do? They mean the carbon barrels because, like, I even the steel barrels. What, yeah, most people probably don't even know they make steel barrels. Yeah, the carbon makes sense as you get longer. It compounds the weight savings is compounded. Yeah. Well, I will say the gun that I just built or put together for Africa with a 16 inch one, our 16 inch barrel compared to the proof 16 inch barrel. I think there's a two or three ounce difference. Proof is a little bit lighter, but um, the, the gun that I just built for my trip is exactly six pounds. That's good. So it's a 308 16 inch gun with a proof barrel at six pounds. So, and so that's probably exactly right. About three ounces lighter than our steel barrels. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, if you want a long barrel, if you need the additional velocity, as you go longer, it stays stiffer and gets much lighter in comparison to a, a, a bull yeah. barrel of a, or any steel barrel, really. I wouldn't so. say guys that are like shooting PRS or anything like that where you're putting tons of rounds down because it will heat up. Those carbon barrels do heat up. Yeah, they do seem to string faster than a steel barrel. So, yeah, you're right. It would depend on your usage and firing schedule and stuff. But, yeah, for me, for hunting or target shooting, it seems to work good you don't get the added weight so and some of those things because i guess some of those prs guns weigh like 25 pounds so maybe you want the weight i generally do not want the additional weight mm. no nope, I don't. all right um range finding binoculars does anybody here know anything about you those? maybe <laughs> not That's us. straight for you question all right so um i do use them a lot i mean every day even ranging squirrels in my yard um I currently use Swarovski. I have some Zeiss. I like the Swarovskis better. Um, also have some Bushnells, which they gave me, which are more of a budget-friendly thing. And, and they actually work pretty good. Well, I may have actually just given them to the engineers. Um, they work well. And I think they retail there around 800 bucks or so. Um, but it's a definite difference with that and the Swarovskis. And also I've used Leica, and they're great. And they may even be the best glass but they don't seem to be as durable. My friends of mine that are guides that use them, I don't know that anyone that's had a long term that's not had to send them back. It seems like the range finding part of those isn't quite as durable as the Zeiss or Swarovski, but they probably are the best glass. And those are the all, all the ones I have experience with. Um, I think there's an argument, depending on what kind of hunting you're doing, for just carrying. When you add the range finding to the binoculars, it they get twice as big and twice as heavy. So there is an argument. There's a lot of good handheld range finders now, traditional range finder, where you could carry small binoculars and carry that separately. It's a little more of a pain in the ass, but it could be more convenient from a weight savings if you're doing like a, uh, like some sort of goat hunt or something where there's a ton of hiking and stalking. That was kind of my question on it. Like for you, is it at this point, is it a must have at least spe like specifically the range finding binoculars? Is that like a must have for you at this point or? Do you find yourself doing what you were just talking about with the separate? No. I, you know, honestly, I don't go on tons of super difficult hunts where there's days of stalking in, in the mountains. Um, 
so I generally use the range finding binoculars. Like there's no way for me to hunt in most situations now without some sort of range finder, but I like the range finding binoculars. I like having one apparatus, um, at least for me. It, it seems to work better. I'm not organized enough to carry multiple stuff most of the time. Um, that's that. Okay. Jay, Hollywood silencer myths. Actual myths? Yeah, yeah. I think the, what do you know? I think the glaring one is the the complete elimination of sound. You're I a think. liar. Is that is there a bigger one than <laughs> that? Is there a bigger bigger Hollywood myth than that? Uh God, I don't know. I've seen so they, many ridiculous they things. They don't heat there. up in Hollywood. There's no POI shift. There you can't hear anything. Um Oh, the pillow works. Just hold the pillow up yeah, to the revolver yeah, the and silence. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's all ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, the obvious, like, pew-pew stereotype right. sound. Pew-pew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love, too, like, in uh, just all the gun stuff in, in movies. I'm sure it's any industry. It's all ridiculous. Um, cars or chainsaws or whatever. But I'm th- thinking of one of the Bourne movies where the guy, like, has, I think it's like a SIG semi-auto, like some 550-something, like the sniper variant, mm. and he gets it out of the case, and he snaps the optic on and the silencer he just slides it on and somehow it magically locks and he's making you know 500 yard shots and shoot people in the eyeball um yeah it's all stupid yeah 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 i, agree. I, I think yeah the the sound is the biggest one it is cool when people shoot something suppressed for the first time especially like a 556 that's still pretty loud with a can on it and they're so disappointed oh yeah well, you know that kind of leads me to another part of this the sounds with a gunshot that I think a lot of people don't realize. And, and God, especially it seems like the last five or 10 years, there's so many people new to guns that are really getting into it. Now silencers are kind of mainstream. So it used to be only people who, who were super gun dorks were into silencers. But now people get into gun, they get a silencer like the first year. So with a gunshot, there's two sounds. You know, there is the ballistic cracks of the bullet breaking the sound barrier, and there's the explosion of the gun which is what the muffler or the silencer can mask. Um, so you don't get the explosion at the gun, so then you need subsonic ammo if you want it to be truly quiet. Um, but either way, it can make it hearing safe, you know, the sound downrange. Um, but, yeah, in the movies, they're all subsonic yep. and quiet and go they're a mile awesome. and a half. Yeah, yeah. They're awesome. Are there any movies that portrayed it accurately that we can think of? Movies? I can't think of off the top of my head, but I will say that that CBS show SEAL Team, Mm. um, they have a lot of good advisors and Mm. they do a better job at it. It's not so much pew pew. It's it's more of a that (laughs) it's more of a that. Well, I I don't know. All gun sounds like even non-suppressed. I mean, Saving Private Ryan was the first movie where they actually did a good job with the sounds being realistic. Um, they used the real gun sounds. Um, it's so funny watching movies prior to that. Like even the machine gun fire, everything is ridiculously inaccurate. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I haven't seen any of it. We watched Peppermint the other day. Oh, yeah, the Zonny Badger in there, right? It was terrible. That's See, that's Such what I heard. Movie. And my mom no, had told me about it. You guys it are great. liars. It's perfect. My mom said it was great. And I was like, oh. She's yeah. awesome. She slays a bunch of dudes, yeah. bad dudes with the honey badger. It was completely silent. Just like real life. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the only movie that was accurate. Yeah, that was the only one. one that, you're right. The only yeah. one that was accurate. That's right. So ignore that. I guess that. the movie was comment. expected. There's oh, yeah. Like, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, 
if you want to watch you know, movies where people, you know, are going ham with a firearm, killing bad guys. Yeah, I mean, that's that checks the box. Yeah. yeah. Was it like more, was the, the gun play, like, was, it, was she good? Could she handle the gun? Or was it just like, what is going on? I think yeah, so. Yeah, she went from zero to 60, like, she disappeared and came back a ninja. Beautiful. So but, I, but I do think from a technical standpoint, she was yeah. she was very efficient in the movie with the gun. Like yeah, it, it, it was believable. The handgun work, you know, the way she was holding it and everything and moving around with it seemed like she had, they had a real advisor of some sort. She scared yeah. me with the honey badger. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you have a favorite gun, gun movie? movie? Or that you, not even necessarily favorite, but, well, yeah, favorite. Well, I was just about to ask, like gun scenes. And you the can't w- say way of the gun. Everybody I, says I that. I was going to say, because that's what I was going to say. Oh, that's say. what you were going to say? Only because the gun, the actual technical, like their movements, the gun work is very good. I, I think I look at it differently. Um, I loved Private Ryan and, and not just the gun sounds, but the realism to me of the movie, like a lot of the scenes were like out of ammo, throws mm-hmm. a helmet, like there's all kinds of like fuck ups in the movie with gun. like, I think it's very realistic. So I like that. But one that I watched recently that I actually like a lot, which is ridiculous. And you know, like my son's a pretty technical kid and was watching it with him. Um, and like he counted like 120 rounds out of one AR magazine or something. He, but, but he, yeah, he <laughs> is awesome. Like I've shot up tons of cars and stuff, and that is, um, yeah, that was one of my favorites. I think he is a good one. But yeah, there's definitely yeah. some. Oh, it's ridiculous. Endless magazine. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's ridiculous. But I do love that scene where they just like destroy the whole town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you got any you like? Boondock Saints. Uh, yeah, Boondock Saints <laughs> 2 was really good. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, just the usual gun yeah. nerd favorite movies. Yeah. Collateral. Uh, Collateral. Wow. Collateral's a good one. Collateral, uh, yeah. Miami yeah. Vice with Jamie Foxx was pretty good, I, I think. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Along the same lines as, I think, the same director as Collateral. Um, I thought Collateral was good with Tom Cruise. Yeah. I mean, what a nutcase, but he's done yeah. some awesome stuff. No, he's, movie he's great. There were parts of the Sicario movies that were mm-hmm. good. Like the we all first one. The first one, yeah. The second one where is it is that the one where Benicio del Toro like bump fires a beretta or something? Oh yeah, with this on the, yeah. yeah. All right. Um suppressor or silencer, Jay. Now either or I'd find myself saying silencer more, but it used to be I would only say suppressor and be like, it's not silencer. But I think it's kinda cool. Oh, you're to one say. of those guys. I was, yeah, absolutely yeah. when I was like fifteen or whatever. But I think it's kind of cool to say silencer because it irritates people. Mm. So well, I, I like the reasoning. Mm. What about you? What do you say? I say silencer, I guess. I mean, but if somebody says it in conversation, I don't correct them. No. So you're not a J. I'm not a J. Okay. Well, I think I go. I. I you I go say both, both ways. Well, I was just about to say, I'm like, <laughs> I can't say that. Um, oh, you no, said it. But I say, <laughs> I say it both with your eyes. Interchange- interchange- interchangeably, just depending on the audience, I guess. Okay, moving right on. Um, favorite vintage silencer to shoot? That's probably to me, I'm guessing. Um, have you guys shot any vintage silencers? No. My my most vintage silencer at home is a Tyrant Nine. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> I've shot like an NT4. Fuck or you, Adam. Can is I that, say that? Yeah. Is an NT4 vintage? I think that's the nah, most. Probably kind of is now. You could get an antique plate for that. I bet. That'd be cool. That's yeah. That's a great silencer. Um, 
I, out of the stuff that I have, I've got one particular 22 Maxim that I like a lot. I like the high standard HDM is great. It's cool. And um, the gr I've got an OSS grease gun silencer, and it's amazing how quiet that is. The barrel Swiss cheese, a true integral. Mm. And um, it's all screen washers and mesh, and it is so, it's so quiet. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah, I just like them all, I guess, because I like the Sterling Mark V, which is an integral. Um, I've got a s original World War II Sten silencer. I don't like it quite as much, but it's cool. But overall, mine's probably the grease gun. I guess you'll have to bring it in, and we'll shoot it, and then revisit the question. Yeah, revisit the question, yeah. show you guys. Um, all right, well, those are all the questions that I thought were interesting that we're going to do. That's dragging on. So let's uh, let's go on. We've covered this a bunch of times. Um, honey badger history. So I know there's lots of new people, but I've covered it a lot of times. Jay, what do you think people want to know so I don't have to run through the same monotonous shit? Uh, is there a difference between the AAC honey badger and what we do? Oh, um, yeah. Did I know you, I mean, we've talked about it before, but the whole integral versus non-integral, um, I think people confuse that a lot. They see a, a can under the handguard and just assume it's an inter yeah. integrally suppressed gun. Yeah, that's not. So, so integral silencers technically mean that the barrel is ported to vent gas into the silencer premature of the bullet exiting the muzzle of the barrel. Um, so, yeah, the Honey Badger SD now is not an integral silencer because, yeah, it's just tucked underneath the handguard. Um, so that's one thing. The Okay, so the differences between the final advanced armament version and what we do, and Adam, you probably even correct me on this. So... Um, the second, there were basically three generations at AAC. We had the original one. We had the second version, which had an integral silencer. So the barrel nut was part of the silencer. And between that and the gas block, there was a silencer. The barrel was ported and to help with sound and eliminate some of the flash. And then we had the gas block and then the muzzle with a silencer on it. So it's basically two silencers. It didn't work as well as we thought, and it really heated up the handguard. Uh, or is, it didn't work as well as we had hoped for sound reduction. I, and it just added a lot of weight and complexity and heat to the handguard, so we eliminated that. Um, so th that's one thing. Uh, we go with a faster twist barrel now, one in five twist. So you get more energy with supersonic on target, so you can have a shorter barrel um, and still get energy of a longer barrel when we go with faster twists, so the rotational velocity, which we've talked about before. Uh, what else? We have so an adjustable gas block. seven-inch barrel. The original was shorter than that, right? Uh, well, yes and no. There are the three versions. Mm. <coughs> excuse me. It ranged, I think, from about a seven to a four and three-quarter inch was mm. the shortest, so it did get very short yeah. trying to meet a sound requirement, mm -hmm. and we lost some accuracy there, and then, of course, the uh, a lot of the ammo didn't perform terminally because mm -hmm. it wouldn't expand. Right. Um, so, so we did try everything there. So we do have a, a – I think the final one we did at Advanced Armament was a five-inch barrel or five-and-a-half. Now we have a seven-inch barrel, so we get – a longer barrel, shorter silencer, and it's still quieter overall. Yeah. We have an adjustable gas block, which we didn't have on the original Honey Badger. And the reason being, then, 
we controlled all the ammo. Like the original customer, SOCOM for the Honey Badger, they had they chose a subsonic and a supersonic round that we developed essentially, and so we didn't need the adjustability of the gas block. But for it being a commercial gun now, mm-hmm. and it, it being more prolific, and there's a lot of ammo out there and agencies and stuff that use it, so they have the ability to tune it for whatever subsonic or supersonic they're using. And, and you know, a lot of people. Um, will just use the gun supersonic or subsonic only, so then they can set it just for that. So that's a cool option. Uh, what else? There's been some minor updates to the stock. Um, there's Uncle Mike's sling swivel, uh, what do you call QD socket in the rear. Mm-hmm. The trigger's different now. Well, we're back to a guide, so we're about to put our trigger in it. Yep. I, think th- I think the original one's at AAC. Uh, original one actually had knights. Knight's armament triggers, but I think the ones that we delivered were uh, Geisley triggers, possibly. Yeah, they had the SSF. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else? You, I mean, you know the guns. The, okay, the radiant. The receivers are a little different on ours. Now they're yeah. proprietary to the stock. Or the original one, if I remember correctly, was a, a mil spec or maybe it was a... It was just the prototype. Yeah. Yeah, the original ones that... The ones that we made integral on the ones we delivered mm-hmm. they had receivers they like okay. we have now gotcha color um, change obviously the clear anodized not black anymore yeah and again that was just the prototype I, I mean after i left aac and we went to sig and they continued to compete against us they made them black but the ones we did were not black mm-hmm. they were clear um the radian charge and handle and selectors those weren't on the originals oh and mlock wasn't hadn't been developed. So the handguards looked M-Lock, but it was prior to M-Lock, um, and they weren't. It was just for venting, right? Or whatever you yeah, call it. Yeah, just light, lighting it up, yeah. airflow to vent it. And Did it have a forward assist? No, never had a forward Perfect. assist. And uh, the original prototype in the Integral, I do not think had a tapered muzzle, but the delivery guns had tapered muzzles, and they were thread mount silencers with a taper like we do now and did at SIG. I think those that's most of the stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's also it. obviously kind of compounding everything. It, it People talk about the, the price, and there's not a ton of interchangeable parts as far yeah, as... Yeah, that's a good point. When it comes to price, so, so the Honey Badger is expensive. Our guns are expensive. The Honey Badger looks like an AR, but there are no common parts, essentially. I mean, even you can put in uh, a, a regular trigger regular selector regular charging handle but those have all been essentially redone by us even the bolt carrier is different um yeah the, the bolt iron pin the cam pin cotter pin those are standard. those are the same the magazine standard now the mm-hmm. dust cover standard we use a standard ar pistol grip everything else is pretty much custom the barrel the barrel nut gas block uh hand guard both receivers uh every component of the stock um they have custom triggers in them. Y- you know, like, I didn't know how much Geisley triggers were. So we have the Geisleys in them now. We're going to go to our trigger. Not, again, at White Birch the other day, our favorite local gun range. They, Geisleys were $240. Um, we don't get a great deal on them either. Like Yeah. We pay surprisingly. My man's tight. More than I thought, but. Yeah. So I pay for that chocolate. That's true, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know how expensive those things were. Yeah. Even um, just the receiver sets, I don't think people understand how much rece- just the receiver sets, the stripped receivers cost to make. I've seen AR-15s for sale, like low-budget ones, complete guns, 
that costs less than our receivers cost. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, everything's custom on it. And it's another thing for it's easy to build ARs and copy other people, whether it's um, this goes into cost too, wh- whether it's silencers, guns, whatever. If you're reverse engineering and not actually engineering, or you're just copying other stuff or you're buying components put together, that's easy. Like our engineering payroll is obscene. And you either pay for it on the front end or you're going to pay for it on the back end. Like if you want the, the best, fastest, lightest, greatest thing, like it takes smart guys that make a lot of money to design that stuff. And, and there's lots of smart, you know, and educated. There's lots of smart guys that can come up with a great idea, but to be able to put it in production. I mean, look at the lessons we've learned over the years when it comes to production, you know, in you handling QC. You need to have engineers understand tolerance stacks and all, all these sorts and of things. It's cool because we do have those engineers. Yeah, just we, the tolerance stacking alone—it's amazing what they're able to do. Yeah, and and again, that's how you you have a honey badger that weighs a pound or a pound and a half lighter than all the all of its competitors. It's because every part's special. We take the weight out of every part. You only have what you need. Uh, you don't have extra stuff, and it's designed correctly. I think that's a misconception that people have about the honey badger where people try to look at it as though it's going to be this gun that it's the end of the world gun. It's going to just do everything you need. And it, it does a good job at basically everything I can think of, but it, it's not designed to be a tank. It was designed for a specific role and it does it very well. And it also does other things well. Yeah. It, I mean, it's a specialty item. It's a race car, I think. And, and it, it's suitable to do a lot of things. I mean, to me, if you're inside of 150 yards, yeah, and you're not having to shoot like something armor piercing, then it's a it's a really good option. Like I don't understand why people get upset when I've seen people. Well, if you were to if you had to breach a door with it, like why am I going to mortar my gun into a a door handle? Oh yeah, that kind of stuff. I, yeah, I tried to just ignore that. I just think from a practical sense, you know, consumers do have other options, and there are less expensive options, and there's a reason they're less expensive. Absolutely. Um. What else? Any comments on the Honey Badger there, Adam? Worth every penny. And it's great yeah. in video games. Especially. It's killer. Yeah. And in Peppermint. And in Peppermint, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, I'll have to get back to I it. mean, she was able to seek vengeance yeah. successfully. She did. With it. So, all right. Um, so, I have notes on silencers. Yeah, I think there's some gimmicky stuff out of the market that probably needs to be addressed. Well, I tell you, we're going to do that. The, the first thing I want to address is now I see people copying our Plan B and the Cherry Bombs. Yep. And just to FYI, if, if you buy these bootleg Cherry Bombs or Plan Bs mm-hmm. or things that adapt to our products, if they're not from us, we don't warranty it. Nope. So if you buy someone else's Plan B and put it on your silencer, and it doesn't align correctly on our cherry bomb, and you shoot a bullet through the center of your silencer, well, out the side of your silencer, um, yeah, it, it's up to the to the dude you bought the bootleg adapter from off Wish to refund your silencer money. Good luck. Yeah. So, um, yeah, th- that's one thing. You know, one thing I saw, too, somebody asked me about, I should put it in the questions, the, uh, the new dead air copy of the cherry bomb, and uh, plan B, it's a left-hand thread. That's a myth. Like, left-hand threads don't keep things tight. So, in, in doing that, that's not from an engineering perspective. That's kind of a, 
Why do they think that? I, I think it's a lot of myth. Like, I've heard it, like, gun store bullshit over the years of people think because... Because um, the bullet's spinning one the, way? The right hand, what is it, like a, a right hand twist mm. that left hand thread the silencer, it torques it tighter every time you shoot. Mm. And that's just asinine. Like, I've heard it a bunch, and it's just, yeah, it's just bullshit. And it's, it's dead air, doesn't have mechanical engineers, and these are the things they come up with, and a lot of people believe it. And I think a lot of people just think that. They might think that's why the AK is threaded left hand on them. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's the vibration is why things loosen. So it, if it doesn't matter what direction the threads are, as long as you have the thread pitch is correct in co combination with the taper, meaning our taper is perfect in combination with our thread pitch, it'll never come loose. But if you have, if we were running a very coarse thread, like two threads per inch, the silencer is going to come loose. Yeah. So you have to have both of those things. Uh, Left-hand thread makes no difference. So that's a stupid thing that people are doing. Do they do it so that when you remove the silencer from the muzzle device, you're tightening the plan B more? <laughs> Man, I don't know. I thought it was for Australia. <laughs> Everything's upside down and backwards I in Australia. Yeah. What so. is the left-hand thread component that we're talking about? Well, th their cherry bomb knockoff oh. is left-hand thread, oh, okay. and thus the their plan B knockoff. Mm -hmm. So those components. Got it. I don't know. Like you ask me that, I feel like it's like asking me why my daughter's like TikTok. I don't know, man. How about flow through? Flow through technology. People are hot on flow through right now. Yeah, and I think some of that is understandable, and some of it is it's again. There's a lot of bullshit out there about it. Um, you know, OSS made a big deal about. It. I think it was a great marketing push, and they get some people in the military to buy off on it. But all the over the years, and you at SIG and me at SIG and Advanced, and we, we test it, and even at H and K, we tested those silencers back then. Um, the OSS stuff, in particular. Um, if we put a half inch hole through a 30 caliber silencer and shot 30 caliber through it, we get the same blowback as OSS and the same sound reduction. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways to skin this, but do you, it, it's it, if you're trapping the gas to reduce noise signature, you're gonna have blowback, and it comes through the gas tube. It comes most of it seems to come through the bore of the gun. That's where, like, if you shoot an MP5 SD, it's gassy as well. If you're if you're holding that gas, it's gonna happen. If you're sending the gas out the front of the silencer quickly, you're still gonna get a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I do think you see OSS, for instance, because, I mean, they've always said they have no baffles, and, that, and that's a lie. There's baffles in the silencer. So that, that's marketing. Um, but you do see their silencers and mounting systems getting more durable and more traditional. Like their silencer now, it's like an M4 2000, you know, the mount and stuff, and then they just have holes in the front of the silencer. I mean, me personally, if I'm shooting a gas gun, I mean, this is, would only be helpful in a gas gun, the, the idea of flow-through technology, right. less gas in your face. Um, I would rather have sound out the front than in my ear, uh, the ejection port. Yeah. Um, but it just depends on the situation. But um, I think a lot of it is myth and marketing, and a lot of the benefits are not there. And, again, if you're going to trap the gas, it's going to come back in the gun. You're going to get some exposure to it. And if you're not, then it's all going out the front. You're going to get flash, and you're going to get sound. So. Yeah, it's all trade-off. Yeah, and then, too, durability, if you want things to come apart. And this is the thing with modular silencers. So when we're talking about silencers, people want to ask about modular. 
Like with the rimfire, you can get away with it. With pistols, you can get away with a certain use. Um, with rifle stuff, I think precision and durability. So if we're making things truly modular, <coughs> again, Jesus, with um, a rifle silencer, and we have to have a lot of threads, stuff gets heavier, you don't get the alignment, you don't get the strength. Um, and the alignment is critical to me for the precision part of things. And when you weld stuff together, we can get something that's very strong and lightweight. And two, making a completely modular rifle silencer, then where you can use different rear mounts, well, if you use a silencer co or a dead air or Yankee Hill rear mount, we can't, you know, the expensive part is our silencer. If you pay $1,000 for a silencer and we're letting you put in anyone's rear mount, and you get you destroy your silencer because of misalignment whose fault is that right and so there's a customer service aspect to it but then the silencer has to get bigger heavier weaker and you lose alignment among other things so so i'm just not into that for most practical senses i don't think it makes sense for most people and i think most people you, you look at a modular silencer oh i can use it on all these guns like I mean, you know, once you start getting silencers, you put it on a gun, you leave it, you get more silencers. Yeah. The idea of trading it to all these guns is, it's not a real thing that people do. It's an easy first sell silencer. Like, buy this, you know, buy, yes. the buy once, cry once uh, sales pitch, and then you buy it, and then you just don't stop crying because it's loud on everything except for... Yeah. It, the, the it's loud on everything. All, all I can think about since you started saying that is the silencer co-hybrid. Yeah, you buy a forty-five silencer it's gonna be loud on 45 and everything else <laughs> yeah oh you can use it on your 22 yeah. and your 300 wind mag and yeah. your 45 pistol it's stupid don't yeah. do it you're you're wasting your tax stamp and i don't even like companies doing it and you should be able to make whatever you want i get it but it, it gives such a bad customer experience that it's bad for the industry in yeah. my opinion and you're screwing your customer you know it's 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 like my kids when they're little wanting to eat ice cream for breakfast every day like you know you don't let them do it and, and there is some responsibility of the industry for me uh, people who are new to this let's educate them give them real stuff give them a great first experience because mm-hmm. i want the whole industry to grow like i want everybody to sell more silencers but i, I don't know anyone that's ever bought one of those type silencers that's happy no i don't think it i don't think it happens mounting systems like for optics or silencers? Well, I'd say we start w- with silencers and like how we arrived at the quickie mount. Like traditionally, a lot of Army requirements for past stuff required a secondary latch. It was just written in the requirement, so we had to include it, for instance, like at SIG. Mm-hmm. So we were still using a coarser thread. Um, you know, when we came here and just having a clean slate and everything we learned from advanced armament forward, we knew we wanted to use tapers, a finer pitch thread, and... Uh, seems to work great and just do away with the secondary latch like let's design a system that doesn't need it and it's super lightweight and you see I think we're right for the commercial market I mean you see now everyone copying that mounting system and my favorite is people that get mad at the cherry bomb how dare they call this a quickie mount it's it's just a it's just the same as a direct thread you're threading it on but there's no actual because it's not trilog and you don't just twist it Halfway. You thread everything directly onto something. Right. So, uh, well, yeah. Well, we name it the quickie mount because we can name stuff whatever we want. And it's funny. But 
Is um, there even a definition for like a no, quick no. detach? Yeah. I mean, I've seen some requirements within the military stuff we've worked on where they have a certain number of seconds or a certain number of rotations. Um, but yeah, if you want to go with like a bi-lock, tri-lock situation, you're going to be heavier, heavier, weaker, heavier, um, not going to get alignment. It's going to, re- I mean, your point of impact shift and your dispersion. So, you know, your group size or accuracy, what people would call it, they're all going to be worse. Um, so it's, you don't want more moving parts. Definitely not in a silencer where it gets like 1500 degrees. So, yeah. So I think we're at the right mounting system. You know, we have the cherry bomb or the muzzle device that weighs what an A2 flash hider weighs. And this is very simple. No moving parts. You don't have to time it or anything. Yeah, the no timing is a great thing. Yeah. Yeah, Timing takes forever, and then you get misalignment. And, yeah, timing sucks. Heavy sucks. Moving parts suck. Yeah. Durability, accuracy, easy installation. Things that you should care Very about. Good. Yeah, yeah. some new mounts from us coming out. Obviously, we're going to make plan Bs for other silencers. Um, but then we just launched our three-quarter 24 flash hider for what? the SR25. Yes, okay. Yeah. Lots of people asked me what that was for. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I think we're going to do a half 28 in a 5.8-24 version of that, just based on the feedback we've received. Uh, the three-quarter 24 was a small volume thing. We just... Had some spares to sell, but this one will be more of a mainstream. Okay, so for traditional threading, yeah. we're going to be an option. Yeah. Right. And it's not going to be the best flash hider, but it, it is a flash hider compared to the uh, the cherry bomb being a break, so it's better than nothing. Yeah, there's a demand for it. People yeah. like it. Mm-hmm. think it looks cool. Still don't have to time it. Yeah. I, I mean, I like the cherry bomb because I like a muzzle break. Mm-hmm. If I'm not going to use the silencer, I'm going to have on ear protection. Um, and then it's also, you know, gives you a, a stainless steel, hardened stainless steel blast baffle in a titanium silencer, mm-hmm. which I think is a good option. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. What else, Mr. Tough Questions? We talked about mounts for cans, but what about optic mounts and stuff like that? So he lied when he said he calls them silencers. Calls oh, yeah. I just, I just said cans. Oh, no. Oh. You're <laughs> so tactical. Man. Yeah. Um, I mean, I... Uh, Depends on the optic. Uh, I mean, I like Reptilia's red dot mount. I like, you know, scalar work stuff seems popular and seems all right. I like Night Force mounts a lot. Um, I just put a Badger ordinance because there's not very many mounts um, for variable optics, for variable power optics, for 35 millimeter. And Leopold sent me a Mark V scope, which I'm going to use. Um, and Badger ordinance makes a mount that's pretty lightweight that I got, so I'm going to try it out. Night Force seems to be my favorite. I like American Precision Arms rings, if you want to use individual rings. Um, but people asking optics for the fix in the Honey Badger and uh, the Sugar Weasel. And I don't know, if we start with the little gas guns, the, the Honey Badger and the Sugar Weasel, you got to decide if you want a dot. A lot of people like just the, the dots. And I'll come the compact lightweight, and you have Aimpoint and Trijicon with the RMR, the Delta Point Pros. Uh, EOTEX, and what kind of mount you need from there. I, I don't know. Um, again, Reptilia, Scalar Works. Unity stuff's real popular right it now. Is. A lot of guys, I'm I mean, familiar all, with it. all the guys that are running Nods are running Unity Risers specifically. But, oh, yeah. Um, so Unity's really popular. I like EOTEX, just I have a little bit of a 
astigmatism. So oh. EOTech's a little easier for me than just the a dot that's some crazy star. But yeah. and if you get an EOTech nine times out of ten, or if you get the right one, it's got a mount on it, so you don't really need to worry about it. Well, that's true. And I do know EOTech, the circle with the dots, faster. Yeah. Um, EOTechs are just bigger, heavier. Yeah. So it's a trade-off, and and I use both, I mean, one to four, one to six, one to eight. Mm. They're becoming more popular too. Mm. Ivan's got a bunch of videos on a few of them. I know you use them all the time. The old kit badger. The old kit badger. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, I like them. If if I think I'm if I need to make a very precise shot, or I'm shooting, you know, over a hundred yards, I like having magnification. And the same thing with the fix when we talk about optics. You know, it's it's different. If I'm hunting, if I'm target shooting, if we're trying to shoot groups, if I'm trying to shoot groups, I want to know how good my gun shoots. I want all the magnification I can get. If I'm hunting, I want what's practical. For hunting, I rarely use over 10 power, and 15 max is all I need for hunting. And and that includes making long shots. I just don't use it. I don't like the narrow field of view when I hunt. I don't like big optics. And, and generally, when you talk about Mirage, for instance, if you have any Mirage, you're not going over 15, 16 power anyway. You just can't even use it. Um, but if, you know, if I'm hunting, I want field of view. I want lightweight, compact. Um, I don't want a big scope. But, yeah, if I'm shooting prone, shooting 1,000 yards, or we're shooting targets, I'm trying to get a good zero on all the magnification I can get. So there's a need for all of it. I don't know. What, what do you like? Most of my shooting is in New Hampshire, usually on a range. I don't seem to shoot anything when I'm in the woods. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I like red dots, um, and maybe a one to four for me. One to six is the max for what I need. Yeah, and I think for our guns, compact and lightweight yeah. is great. Yeah. And you know, brand wise, Wolfold sent me their new Mark V. I think that's probably a great scope. I'm going to use it on my next hunting trip. It's a good size. It's lightweight. You get, I think it's a 3.6 to 18 power. And now at my age, I need for hunting or any low light shooting. Well, low light for me is different. Low light from you guys probably. But um, with, with my old eyes, I need uh, a dot that I can turn on. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of hunting is like at first light or at last light yeah. and is sometimes in timber. And um, I need the dot because the crosshair just disappears. Um, and, and so they just sent me a Mark V that I'm going to try, that I like, that I hear great things about. Um, but I like Swarovski's optics, um, Willpold, uh, Night Force makes good stuff. I like Night Force a lot. Their stuff just t tends to be too heavy for our guns. So even though they've given me some stuff, I tend to not use it as much, you know, when I'm in hunting mode, just because it's heavier and it's got features that I don't necessarily need for that. Mm -hmm. Do you have that? Mark five in a loophole mount, or do you have it in that badger? No, I think I don't like loophole mounts at all. Yeah. I think they're big and heavy. I put it in a badger ordnance mount. Um, yeah, loophole. I would love to help them. Actually, when they gave me that scope, I offered to help them. Well, for our engineers to help them on some um, mounting solutions that they can offer. Uh, you know, because I, I don't want to seem ungrateful, but they sent me a great scope and they send me like a very mediocre heavy mount. Like I'm not going to use the mount. I'm just I'm just not. Uh, the optic I want to try, and I think the optic's good. Their mounts seem to suck to me. Yeah, Night Force. I mean, my Night Force did mounts 
I mean, they were doing mounts good 10 years ago. I like their mounts a lot. Yeah, I know people like the Scalar Works mount a lot, and I think there's a consensus here, especially with the engineers, that the only thing that they have a gripe about is the actual the the ring itself. It's like a latch on the top. Which, oh, the which, hinge? Yeah, so it makes it, it's, it'll never be perfectly round. Yeah, yeah, because I think Scalar Works guy, smart kid, another example, really smart, but I think, is he an industrial designer? I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I don't think, he might not be a mechanical engineer, you know, and sometimes, I mean, those guys take it a little too far with some of the products. But, oh, yeah. But I do really like, I mean, his mounts look great, and they're super lightweight. Yeah, I was they're light. And so, that's cool, yeah. um, and if it works, you know, it works, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know that I've used one of his mounts, honestly. Yeah. I know he was, when, last time I saw him, he was going to do some clear anodized one for us. Do you remember this situation? I've talked about it a couple times. It's one of those things. Okay. Yeah. I have, right. an arrow, I have an arrow precision mount that, per the engineers, is not perfect, but it's super light, and it does it does what it needs to do for me. So I don't really Yeah, they're, they're pretty inexpensive, right? Yeah, they're, 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 yeah, they're priced really reasonably, and they weigh nothing. What would the engineers say about it? Um, they said it's all right. Similar idea. They, uh, I mean, they are shooting. I think they used a couple of them when they did the prairie dog thing. Um, yeah. And they said that it, it worked for that. But if they're like, if you want to do real precision shooting, it, there's better out there. Oh, um, okay. Similar idea where it's it, instead of a hinge, it kind of clasps on from the side. So that similar idea of that it's not, it's never going to be perfectly round. But for what I do with it, it's it's great and it weighs nothing. So on my fix, it's great. Well. Speaking of them, th they use March optics as well, which right. I've got one and I like, and they're compact and lightweight. They're supposed to come out with some really awesome compact stuff this year. Um, you know, like a 1 to 10, and I think like a 2 to 25 or something in that range, which seems great. And they're compact and relatively lightweight. And they've been, some of the engineers have been using them now for yeah. a year or two and really like them. Um, you know, I think like spur mounts are probably pretty good, but the problem with that is they're super heavy. So there are some out there that I think are probably good mounts, like Geisley mounts are probably good. They're yeah. just like heavier than I. I think the worn rings, the the worn, people like those a lot, but I think they're just rings specifically. I don't know if it's an actual mount, and uh, oh. I think they're a little heavy though too. Yeah, I think that's who makes Leopold stuff. Oh really? Mm. There I go. Yeah. So I don't shoot well enough for it to make a difference. Honestly, me. I me either. Like I shoot a, <laughs> if I can hit things at six eight hundred and I'm, and it's hitting, I'm happy. Like, I'm I mean, I can shoot, you know, one-inch groups with my setups, but I'm not, like, right. married to a brand or anything. No, yeah. So, well, Whatever works best. Yeah. I mean, I want, uh, we've teased it for four or five years, the direct mount to the yeah. fix where we eliminate the 1913 and your scope goes in it and mounts to the top of the mm -hmm. fixed receiver. You know, I think it's Tally that does rings like that for Remington 700s since before I was probably even born. And uh, you eliminate a base so that, tolerant stack so I, I like that um their stuff is lightweight um and that's what we need to do with the fix so we talked about loophole a lot what do you guys think about their new red dot the <laughs> the delta point micro is that mm. what it is <laughs> i get the idea but i think it is hideous i think it's so So ugly. you won't give it a chance because of aesthetics I'll give it, well i mean i'm not going to go spend money to give it a chance but if someone happens to hand me one I will absolutely give it a chance. I'll give anything a chance if someone wants to hand it to me. And this is the the Leopold the Delta Point Micro. Yeah, yeah. with the like the tumor off, the tumor off hanging the off the back by your base plate. So this is basically a little peep with a dot in it that goes on a Glock or a, a pistol that hangs off the back slide. I think currently they have Glock and they have um, 
uh, an option for MMPs, the Smith & Wesson MMPs. Does it mount to the slide or does it go into the it's rear sight? Dovetail, dovetail. Yeah. yeah. it goes. I mean, that's the... smart, I guess. Yeah, because there's so many millions of those Glocks out there yeah. without right. cut out for an RMR. Yeah. yeah, they showed me this, their PR guy, about a month ago on a hunt. Uh, I was surprised, but I'm willing to give it a chance. Like, to me, it's a lower profile you know, it's not as yeah. tall, but you're right. Hanging off the back of the gun, it's going to print possibly if you're carrying. Um, I think there's a potential for it to be more durable. I don't, I just want to shoot it and see. Like, if it works, it works. I like it. But I mean, I agree. The concept, it's ugly. What's yeah. hanging off the back? It's the, the battery. Yeah, it's the battery, battery case. Yeah. So I meant like, I'm curious to see what the durability is. Like, Where'd how many, look it up? how many times can you? I, I get that it's they put it there it's probably compatible with most holsters so you're eliminating that or whatever but how many times if you appendix carry like put it in and then go tie your shoes like is it going to be a feasible thing mm -hmm. i just I, I understand the idea and I, I think it's it'll probably be better than i'm anticipating but i just think it is so ugly it's interesting yeah it, i mean it's very narrow it's it's relatively you know it's, it's not tall it's narrow i, I don't know yeah, I mean, it may be faster the smaller peak to look through. Right. Mm. And the fact that you don't have to machine your slide right. to accept it. I mean, a radical new idea is never always received well at first, I it, guess. And looking at it, though, it reminds me of, like, the, the movie Tango Tango and Cash with uh, Sylvester Stallone. You guys might be too young for that. Anyway, he had a revolver in the movie with a giant laser mm. on top of it. It looked like oh, a mag light. Yeah. 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 It, it's ugly. It might be great, though. I mean... Might I don't be. know. I don't know. And I think it's. I think they say it's got eight settings, eight uh, power settings, or whatever. I don't know the word I'm looking for. But I think power settings was power it's. settings. Yeah. Yeah. Brightness. Brightness settings. That's level. even better. Yeah. Okay. Well. Are you gonna try one? Optics. If they fire one over, or did you get one? I didn't get no. one. If they if they send me one, yeah, I'll try it. Or if someone that's listening sends one in with the knives they're sending me, that'd be great. <laughs> I mean, I would try it. I would even try this with a mount on always the Honey Badger or something. Because I see all the cool stuff you guys get, so I'm just trying to get in on that. you, you got to up your game, man. I know. Maybe Le Level up? Power up? What, what's the term you kids use? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I'm you, embarrassed you to don't say. Know. I'm embarrassed to say, <laughs> to be entirely honest. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, that that's it. I mean, there's lots of good optics. Like, even Vortex, I know they make a lot of good optics people like. Yeah, um, aesthetically, their stuff looks good. Again, they're, their shit's they're in heavy. heavy category. They're heavy. So, it's like, it, it's, I just, I don't care how good it is. If it's too heavy, I'm not putting it on my gun. I feel like a lot of people are willing to, to do that little trade-off, especially with a gun as light as the Fix or the Honey Badger or whatever. I think maybe the, the weight of the optic itself and the mount isn't as huge of an issue for them. Cause it's like, well, my gun is, is light enough. The optics a little heavier, but it, it'll even out. I know you don't necessarily agree, but for me, it's however it looks. That's half the battle. Oh, it's a, it's purely it's aesthetic. Absolutely aesthetic. Yeah. Well, and as long as it can do what I want it to do, then I'm happy. I'm sure there's better. I'm sure there's worse, but I mean, I, I do. Yeah. I mean, I love aesthetics too, but when it comes to me, like shooting stuff. Yeah, when you're out humping around for all day carrying your rifle with you, then it makes sense. Well, I mean, I think too, and I've said it in the past. I mean, you know, like Ferrari typically doesn't make ugly cars. Um, you know, anything you have. Like, I, I don't know. Would you, like, you play bass? Would, would you use an ugly bass? 
No, that, no. that's a that's a huge thing for us. Like, I mean, there are things that he might think are ugly that I'm into, but I mean, taste is one thing. But if you, if you consider the aesthetics for anything yeah. that you do, I mean, I if I see a bass that I hear people are raving about, and I look at it, and I don't think it's it's good looking, I won't even test it. I won't even play it. I don't want to see how it feels, how it sounds. I don't care because I don't personally. God, that's like it. interesting. To you me. don't want to like it. Yeah, you know the thing is, I think it's foreign to me to some degree. Like I understand because I love aesthetics, but when I want to do my best at something or be the best, I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely a performance-oriented person, definitely. But I am admittedly not. I'm very shallow, and huh, aesthetics are a big part in it. Well, I don't. I mean, I put a lot into the way the fix and the honey badger look. I think they look great. You know, it's. I don't. For me, it's good. Maybe I used to would go more in that direction, but being with the engineers and they're so opposite, especially like Ethan. Right. And Ethan's learned a lot over the years too. Like he makes things now that are better looking than they used to be. But I mean, you talk about somebody that cares nothing about aesthetics. Oh, yeah. oh my lord! Um, but I mean, he's had to learn because I mean, you're right. I mean, I think to some degree we can make the best gun in the world, but if it's hideous, right? Nobody's gonna buy. I think it. especially too with the the way the industry is moving where you get you're getting a lot of i mean you've said it before you're getting a lot of younger people that are more interested in guns they're seeing them in video games and movies if you don't have an aesthetically pleasing gun it chances are it's not going to be in a movie yeah or instagram like people right. aren't going to pose with ugly shit on yeah. instagram like i think that the m2010 is one of the coolest looking bolt guns but it weighs 1500 pounds yeah the chassis were really interesting looking at the yeah. time and stuff i mean yeah, i mean i think the fix looks super cool yeah i agree Caltech um, sells a lot of guns. Yeah, they do right. sell a lot of guns. I mean, they, they do. I, I mean, what's we, that one we got from Ivan? The Caltech? Is that a high no, point? That's, oh, that's a high that's point. point. Yeah, that's yeah. a high oh, point. High point. Yeah. I think they're hideous. High point sells a lot of guns. It, it is. Well, yeah, yeah. Pr- price point sells a yeah, lot of guns. Yeah, I was going to say, there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, price point does. But yeah, yeah we're, we're not going there. I'm no. not interested in that. Mm. What about what else do we have? Ammo. So, 6.5 and 308. Once you shoot six five, you never shoot three oh eight again. Is it that's the way you feel? That's the way I feel, yeah. Right. Why? I just think application wise, if I were hunting, yeah, I'm sure I would use three oh eight again. Um, but to just go shoot, six five feels a little more gentle when you shoot it. It's more of a push than a jarring like knock. If you got a light gun, six right, five's absolutely. definitely better to shoot. Yeah, and I think I don't know. You say it too. Outside three hundred, if you're shooting within three hundred, three oh eight, great. Beyond 300, I think you, you're keeping a few extra things with 6.5 that you kind of lose with 308. Yeah, I think it's better. I, th- I mean, I think that's accurate. I mean, for a practical standpoint, um, you know, some people maybe 6.5 is the 6.5 bullets probably inherently more accurate. Um, there's things that are about it are better about it at distance. Uh, but I, I think when a gun doesn't make a lot of noise or doesn't recoil as much, people can just shoot it better. Right, have more fun. Mm-hmm. I definitely have more fun, I think, if I spend a whole day shooting 6.5 as opposed to a whole day of shooting 308. Yeah, with a lightweight gun, definitely. Right. But, yeah, I think inside 300, you're you're better off with 308. But I, I think with modern bullets like the Hornady ELDX or some of the Barnes bullets, the solid coppers, I mean, killing-wise – there's not a huge difference, but I mean, I think even in my experience inside 300, um, for, you know, a given barrel length, let's call it 16 inches, which is generally what I use for most stuff now in both calibers. 
it's a little better with 308, but I don't have a problem with 6.5. Yeah. And and so definitely if I'm with my kids or my woman and we're hunting, you know, I take the recoil into consideration. We use 6.5, yeah. you know, in those instances. Uh, I'll go to Africa next month, and I'm going to take a 308 and a 6.5 because yeah. I always want a spare gun just in case something happens. Yeah. Um, but I generally take both, and I'll shoot some stuff with, with both of them. But if I shoot something over 300, which I will, it'll be with 6.5. I think 308 is still cool. I don't want to see like a, it's a great cartridge. I don't want to see a 240 in 65. I don't want to see an a what? An M240. Oh. Well. Like there's a bunch of guns that are 308 that I want to stay 308, but personally for, for no real reason. Right, right exactly. <laughs> That's how they were. Let's not change it. It's not broke. Don't well, fix exactly. it. Exactly. Well, yeah. What about you, Adam? What would you get? Um the fix in 308 or 65? I have a fix in 308. I don't have any interest in getting 6.5 just because I don't shoot outside New Hampshire. And, uh, sorry, Tommy's yelling at me, I think. Get closer to the mic. Sound good Micro to me. Micro yell. Um, yeah, New Hampshire, I don't shoot really beyond 100 yards. Um, and I have discrete ballistics, subsonic 308, and a silencer. Oh, that's that's yeah. a good that's a good that's point. A I didn't really think about that. Nice experience. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. there's no subsonic 6.5. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, your huh. both of your applications with that is – different than Colin and I going and shooting steel all day. So yeah. I think application is definitely important. Yeah. Well, I, you know, that's something I don't ever bring up. And I don't think about the subsonic because when I do subsonic, it's 300 blackout. Yeah. You know, and 308 subsonic generally isn't as good because you don't get as fast a twist. So you're not going to get the accuracy that you can out of a faster twist. 300 blackout and then also the case capacity being so restricted with 300 blackout and you reduce powder loads with subsonic loading um 308 is far worse so your sds the standard deviation of your linear velocity varies a lot more with 308 hmm. because of the case capacity but it's still so fun to shoot yeah. and if you can hit a piece of steel at 100 yards with oh, subsonic yeah. 308 it's a blast yeah yeah okay well that's do you guys have a, a completely off topic, but do you have like a a end of world kit? You have to have like <laughs> you have to like have you ever thought about like if you could only have one one rifle and one pistol and I don't mean pistol in the in the honey badger variant, I mean a, a handgun pistol. Do you do you ever think about it? And if you do, what do you think about? Do I think about end of the world? Well, not necessarily the end of the world, but just like an, it doesn't even have to be the end of the world, but you can only have one rifle and one pistol, handgun pistol, for the remainder of your life. You don't. It's not a reality. You can have whatever you want. If I could have one, it's um, probably a honey badger. Because I think about guns. I don't think about end of the world, but when right. I think about whatever being concerned enough to have guns with me i always have a honey badger with me with a silencer barnes 110 ammo are we assuming we have unlimited ammo yeah we don't have to worry about and, ammo and all that stuff and yeah I, I generally carry a glock pistol but if i were thinking like one of these armageddon situations it would probably be some kind of 22 pistol because mm -hmm. i don't i don't i mean i i shoot a 22 almost every day a 22 with a silencer and can kill lots of game with it and it's super silent so i don't even know if i would pick a nine millimeter handgun if i had That's the cool. honey badger because the honey badger too being so compact and lightweight like i would right. i think those 
That's probably for me. That's cool. I think the 22 is different than a lot of people would say. What about you? Yeah, I would have some kind of short 300 blackout with silencer. Probably yeah. the same ammo type. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to ignore 22. You can carry a lot of ammo. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about I this long know. and hard. Now yeah. you guys have me thinking differently. No, I don't think. I've never really thought about it. Yeah. Because yeah. I just, I mean, I've always kind of been in the school of thinking of like a dual would be like a 14 and a half inch 5.56. Like hmm. 77 grain OTM, you can do a lot with it. But thinking about the Honey Badger, like it does. I mean, anything you can shoot well, you can do a lot. With. Right. Absolutely. But I don't think about handguns a lot because I think a lot of times I think about it as, as far as home defense. But yeah. really not a natural situation. I, I just think when I'm awakened for any reason, historically, like by my kids in the middle of the night, like being so discombobulated, like I'm not going to shoot a handgun, but right. I can probably shoot anybody with the honey badge or right. something with a stock on it. Will we be leaving New Hampshire in this scenario? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the way I thought. I thought There's that, too many questions. Well, that, I know. I, I agree. Know. And I that's... I thought that because that's why I went with that 14.5 initially with like a, a low powered variable optic on mm -hmm. or something like that. And maybe a 45 degree for coolness, but a little dot, but <laughs> no, but now I, I mean, I agree. I think the honey badger is a, a good one. Obviously if you, aside from your 22 picks, I think if you go with anything other than a Glock 17 or 19 in nine mil, you're an idiot, but whatever the hipsters will say a CZ P 10 C whatever, but mm. I mean, it depend on the scenario. It's I'll a tell Glock. You, either you way. shoot somebody pretty easily through a car door with a five-seven pistol. Yeah, I agree. So I, I mean, I don't know. It's it is an ambiguous question, but yeah, I mean, I just and even out west, like being out. I mean, I, I I don't know the situation, but I just think of like food primarily, mm -hmm. right? And you know, you can shoot elk with a with a bow, so I can definitely shoot them right. with a honey badger. Yeah. Yeah, it's food and self-defense. I don't think you're going on the offense in this yep. scenario. No, yeah, yeah, just just mm. a just a jack of all trades. Mm. So, no. but it's cool because you have more experience with guns that even he and I have never touched. So it's cool to see what you would pick of all the guns. I mean, I'm not saying if I know you're coming in my house in that long hallway in the front of the house, like. I'm not going to set up an MG42 on <laughs> yeah, a tripod yeah, right. at the back of it like you have right. up. But, um, no. I mean, because I think of having a gun with you is the most important thing. Yeah. You know, I've realized that from hunting or, like, having a ranch and driving around every day or hiking around every day. It's like every time I don't have a gun, there's something that I need to shoot. Yeah. And, and, and so having a lightweight gun that I can sling and have on me that I can – kill 200 pound animals with whether you know pig coat deer like whatever the thing is um that's sort of the way i think about things and so for me it's like just having a gun with you because yeah if i'm gonna i mean i would always rather shoot something with a 308 and a 300 blackout or right. a 308 than a 556 i would rather shoot something with a 300 wind mag than a 308 right. i'd rather shoot something with a 338 lapua magnum than a 300 wind mag but I don't want a 25-pound gun. Right, practicality. Yeah, I mean, same thing with the 240. Like, I've got belt-fed guns as well, but yeah. it's just not very practical unless I'm mounting it to a vehicle. Right. So it's it's all that kind of stuff. I, I like your answers. Well, uh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Did you answer it? Yeah, mine are pretty. little recce gun? Yeah, uh, that was my initial. Like whatever the Air Force gave them. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> that was my initial thought, but I'm still going to stick with a Glock in 9 mil, but. I think Honey Badger makes a lot of sense. Mm. SD. 
for the cool factor. The cool factor? Yeah. Well, you know, I generally like the SD for um, shooting the gun supported. So I, I think it's probably why I carry it and, and use it most of the time. I have both uppers, but I use the SD. But, you know, the Thunder Chicken on it's quieter and the handguard doesn't get hot. Right. But I shoot supported a lot. Yep. Um, just in the stuff that I do. So so I, I like the SD. Um, and, and I don't know. I'm probably partial to it for some you know reason because it's like the OG. Would you do any of the aforementioned optics, just anything you can get, or do you have a favorite that you think, like a do-all? If, if I could only have one optic the rest of my life, r- right now for the Honey Badger would be the Swarovski Z8 one to 8 low power barrier cool i mean it, it, zero it, experience it, with it it's it's lightweight it's relatively compact very bright very clear and then i get some magnification so i can yep. you know have confidence and you know reaching like the the, the farther limits of the, the range of that right um yeah so that's what i would pick do you have a favorite one on the optic i don't think so I'm not really an optic guy. Either. I just take whatever's cool and whatever works. Whatever looks good. <laughs> I got. I love my EOTech and it. I mean, I have the Night Force One to Four. Yep. An AR. It's a great optic. It's a yeah. battery hog. Assuming I have unlimited batteries you in the scenario. No, you do. You, yeah. get, yeah, you get a wagon with batteries yeah. and ammo. I like that. And then I put the. I have a little Skeeter IR uh, thermal that you can put oh, in line yeah. in front of it. Yep. Which is kind of cool. It's a good little compact package. Yeah, that is yeah, cool. small. All send, right. send night vision, too, if you're, <laughs> if you're thinking about it. All right. Uh, yeah. So, Sinjay, night vision, and, and knives. knives. Customer service stuff. Oh, Jesus. Should we go get Colin? <laughs> no. <laughs> we should just take his notes and answer these. Yeah. All right. So, Adam, what's up with back orders? They're long. Perfect. Next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How um, long or what do we want to say? Should people expect to wait? What's yeah, the situation? If you're going to buy direct from us, um, you know, you're going to pay at full retail and you're going to wait, you know, months. upwards to months to a year, depending on the product. Um, you're, if you're in a rush, the money's burning a hole in your pocket, scour the internet, try to find one online from a dealer, gun broker. You'll pay a premium on gun broker. Um, yeah, you'll always, I think, find it faster if you buy from distribution and our dealers. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I want to take retail money up front, you know, it, for the sake of saving time for the customer. Right. Well, know. it segues into our price increase, which we're asked about. Yeah. Um, and, we, you know, uh, I've answered it a couple times already. But so the price increase, so what you said, we have dealers and individuals who are buying the guns at dealer, distributor, retail price putting them on gun broker, selling them for double, triple retail prices. So we increased the retail price of some of the guns um, because we're not getting any kickbacks. Like, they're not paying more for the guns from us. And, you know, whether it's COVID and there's a gun buying panic or because of Biden or COVID because a lot of companies and vendors – you know, the employees, they've shut down. There's less product out there. Just basic economic. Mm-hmm. We're not getting any of that money. Um, and we should. People are willing to pay a premium. We should get some of it. Sure. And, you know, I don't like the idea of price gouging, and I also don't like the idea of telling people what they can sell the guns at. 
if the guns will bring that much money and people are willing to pay it, I don't know. I'm torn with it. But we did increase the price. You know, we get to the point of having, and even before COVID, having a year backlog on some of the guns, our guns are expensive, but a lot goes into them from a quality standpoint, from a design and engineering standpoint. Um, if we have a year backlog, clearly we're producing too few and we're charging too little. Mm-hmm. I think I that's know. such a big point. Expensive. We kind of covered it before about our parts or our guns being expensive. And we've all, everyone here basically has worked at another firearms manufacturer. Most of us have worked at the same one, but the, I see every one of the parts that goes into the guns and we covered it before. Like there are very few common parts um, and the machining that goes into them, everything that goes into them, they're expensive to make and they're not the same as the stuff that's on Palmetto State or Radical or whatever. They're not the same parts. Um, yeah, I, I mean, being able to do the engineering, the tolerance stack and, and then just innovating, like designing stuff. It, it, it's extremely expensive. You know, our biggest expense here is payroll. Um, and we don't even need to continue at this point. We have products. Like, we don't need to contend, you know, m- maintain innovation unless we're committed to the company and growing it and continue and, you know, to try to do this for, for years to come. I mean, we, we've got products designed already that we can't produce enough of. Right. That was something um, you touched on yesterday when we were talking, too, is that the average person doesn't know how much goes into the actual design, the engineering, all that, like how long it takes to create a product. Um, you talked about the the person that someone was asking for, or multiple people have asked for left-handed stuff, and it's not like we can just, although there's someone here who has found the answer to that, but it's not like you can just put everything in backwards and... <laughs> and Enhance. Uh, yeah, now you have a gun. But uh, What was it, the mirror image on SolidWorks? Is yeah, that what yeah. you said? Just, yeah, just do it backwards. Well, I mean, and we think about it. I'm left-handed. We don't build left-handed guns. And what it would cost me for me owning the company to build a left-handed fix would probably be a, a quarter of a million dollars. It would cost me to build one for me. Right. So I don't have one. Um, you know, the idea of the engineers, I mean, anything we do, you think we've got what six degreed engineers, um, that at, if they work on something for a year, like all in that probably costs the company a couple million dollars. Oh yeah. I don't know. So, just one thing, no matter what it is. So the idea of somebody thinking, well, oh, all you got to do is this. Well, right. okay, if you're doing it with your cousin in your garage in your spare time, probably is cheap for you. I mean, for us, the way we're set up, it's not inexpensive. Every project, every real project is very expensive. But we also have high expectations of the engineers and of the product from an innovation and a quality standpoint. Um, and they all have lots of options to work other places just like almost everyone here probably does um it's expensive to develop a product i mean just i don't know i mean adam I mean, what percentage of people are left-handed is it, that's a known thing right well, even it? that too like Tim. did you not spend your entire upbringing shooting right-handed guns like i shoot a handgun left-handed and long gun right-handed because i don't know which side of the street to walk on but if i were to do the if i were to change my mag release to a left-handed mag release for my Glock or whatever, it would slow me down because I just grew up shooting a right-handed, quote-unquote, pistol my whole life. You just get used to it. So did these people have the option to just shoot left-handed bolt guns their entire life? Or, I mean, I guess. I think if you're dedicated to that, I mean, there's Remington. May, I mean, 
maybe some better companies like Tika or whatever make left-handed guns. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, you have it. Bottom line is we're just not going to do it. Just yeah. like, you know, I would love to, but we're not going to in the foreseeable future. Um, there's other things I would rather have. You know, I would rather us have the, the mega fix. I would rather us have, you know, a new gas gun. I would rather us have all kinds of things. Um, it, it's not really high on my priority list. Yeah. In, in, in and I list. guess my point earlier was left-handed people is a very small percentage of people. Right. Our market share is yep. a very small percentage of the firearms market, which is fine. It, the numbers just don't make sense. Right. No, it, it doesn't. Not for us. Just get proficient shooting ready get over it yeah i mean you have to do that or you have to find a different gun i mean we're just we're just not going to do it. it it's just like connecticut specific firearms to meet their regulations yeah i mean maybe one day in a different situation but not in our current situation and i hate it for you if you're in connecticut and you want one of our products and you can't because of your state laws it's just too fucking bad i mean that's the answer we will make a can for you lefties out there though Got a lefty can, yeah. Yep. Got a lefty one coming. Um, it's Ambi. <laughs> all right. Adam, yeah. the uh, Honey Badger, let's touch on it again. Mm-hmm. The Honey Badger pistol, the mm-hmm. future of that. Like, what are you doing now? If things change, what are we going to do? If things change, we have new end plates, new tubes that are going to basically replace the uh, stock or brace assembly. Yep. Um and it just slides over the existing receiver extension tube. Yeah. So it's a tube on a tube. Um, and, you know, that puts an end plate on the back to retain your uh, spring and detent for your rear takedown. Um, and we'll have a little a sling feature on there. Um, so we'll sell that, and then we'll just, uh, if we can, sell braces as an accessory. Maybe a third party will sell braces as an accessory if that's still allowed. If not, we'll have stocks available if you want to do a Form 1 SBR. Okay, so... And we have parts on the machine now. We're preparing for that inevitable, you know. So right now, though, we're making and shipping Honey Badger Sugar Weasels, the fix... With braces. With braces on them as pistols. Yeah. But if they do come back and regulate braces, Mm -hmm. then we have an option for that, where you can still buy them as pistols and then buy the stock separately and SBR them through silencer shop, trust, or whatever. We have them coming off the machine right now. All right, so we're going to continue to produce them yeah. unless they just do some sort of outright ban on mm-hmm. semi-automatics and the, these meet the criteria. So. Yeah. Okay, that answers that question. Yeah. Um, okay, so by the time people hear this, the Honey Badger stock installation video will be online. Yeah, that should be going out in tomorrow. Well, what's today? The 7th? So it'll be going out tomorrow yeah. in the email yeah. blast. Yeah. Okay, um, another customer service thing. For general information, use info at liveqordie.com. Yeah. And then also, if you send three emails a day, you're likely to never get a request because what happens is when you follow up to it before you're responded to, it bumps you to the bottom of the list, which is hundreds of emails a day. Yeah. And don't reach out to us on multiple platforms for the same thing. Um, it causes more work here. It's going to be a delay for you. Um send an email to customer service and wait for a response. We do not have a phone. You cannot call us, but you will be responded to. Um, if you message me on my personal Instagram or on the Q&A, I'm going to give you a response if it's obvious. Otherwise, I'm just going to direct you to the customer service email. 
Um, yeah, and the reason why we don't have a phone is not because we don't want to talk to you, but it's no, a lot. Yeah, some people don't want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, everything's in email. Everything's in writing. It's easier for us to keep track of a situation uh, for you know the customer uh, customer service continuity, whatever you want to call it. It's just a lot easier to have a record of everything. Um, yeah, the paper trail. I mean, it has to, and it has yeah. it has to make sense. And this isn't for when things necessarily go awry. No, of course but not. But just to where we can. It's a better customer service customer service experience when we don't have to go down memory lane and try to figure out what we told you before. Or, you know, it's just everything's there. Yeah. And Colin said right now, it's generally you would be responded to in 24 hours, but I think with COVID and the increase of all the stuff. 24 to 48 hours is what he said yesterday to receive a response. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be different too. If you, if you email at nine 30 at night on a Saturday and you don't get an email by 5 a.m. on a Sunday, mm-hmm. don't send another email. Like no. we're not open. I, I do get a fair amount of people freaking out, sending me direct messages on the weekend or on holidays and not understanding that it's Sunday. Like I, I'm not going to, force someone to respond to you on s- Sunday afternoon. Yeah, Kevin's a church. Happen. I'm a church. Yeah. Totally a church. Well, I think we kind of set the precedence. Like, at some point, there was three of us on the Instagram account, and if we're bored sitting on the couch watching football on Sunday, then we're going to be on Instagram maybe responding to questions. So people are probably assume we're working on the weekends mm. when really it's just kind of a leisurely thing. Yeah. I mean, I know I do it a lot, and I'll do it a lot in the middle of the night or on the weekends. Yeah. Um, but when it's specific things about orders or – specific topics or concerns a lot of times it's like i don't do that you know it's just like people ask me about jobs here all the time like Mm -hmm. i don't do the hiring i I i'm not involved in that situation at all um with that said is it jobs at live or die.com yep so we are hiring i get that question every day we are hiring that's where you send a resume um you don't need to send it to me i'm not going to hire you it'll be you know you or Amy or someone. Yeah, and if you do send a, res- a resume, great. We'll look at it. We'll put it in the good or bad pile, and if we're going to hire you, we'll let you know. <laughs> you, you have a good and bad pile or piles? Well, it's the delete button. Oh, the delete button. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, what else? You know, you brought up something good to circle back to price um, yesterday about ammo. Yeah, ammo prices. I don't are, remember this at all. You don't? No, I do. Else said it. No, I remember it. Adam no, said it, it was. It was literally Adam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So ammo prices are ridiculous, and everybody's buying all the ammo. Like, what makes you think that doesn't translate to firearms? Oh yeah, supply chain. It's hard enough as it is. I mean, it's hard for us too. Like knowing that the guns, the honey badger, the mini fix, are selling for north of five thousand dollars on GunBroker. You know, we could stop shipping to dealers and distributors and just sell them all retail at that and, you know, get new cars for all the employees. Um, yeah, it's not what we're doing, but prices are going to go up as long as, yeah, the supply is not there for ammo or firearms going to be expensive. Well, that's um, it's the same with shipping, too. Like, everyone's home goods. People, oh. people will wait three weeks for a book they ordered or whatever and not complain, but they have to wait an extra couple days for their gun and it's our fault oh yeah well when we print i guess when they print the label and shipping back here it gives the customer notification then if it's not shipped um or if it is shipped and it's held in transit i mean i think colin brought up yesterday that uh usps right now on their website says four weeks to deliver a package yeah um 
yeah, just because a shipping label was created does not mean you're getting it the next day. Right. Um, I think we're still pretty efficient with shipping. Like, I don't see stuff sitting here for days. Yeah, we're pretty efficient. And we, when we ship a shipping label, we ship hundreds of shipping labels at the same time. Right. For efficiency's sake, we hit the print button once. Yeah. And so, yeah, you might get a notification that your label's been created. doesn't mean we've even put it in a box yet. Yeah. Right. We're just staging shipping labels. What else? Oh, the T-shirts. So, yeah, that's been a bit of a debacle with the swag. So we have yeah. a lot of new swag and stuff coming. Some of the last experiences have not been great for consumers, and that sucks, and I hate that. But we were using a fulfillment uh, center. That didn't go so well, so we're bringing it all back in-house now. Yep. Um, yeah, I take responsibility for that one. I wanted to kind of outsource that because there's a lot out. of stuff to ship, and we only have so many people out back. But it kind of flopped. and Part of it was timing, you know, too, though. Timing like, was COVID not hurt. awesome. Yeah, it screwed with the fulfillment company too it, like it was a an intersection of of things that kind of caused some hiccups i don't think it was just all on one person or well whatever bringing that back in so yep. we're going to have a lot of new um swag and stuff like that and have it available and yeah and i think we'll not only is here. it going to ship faster but now everybody's going to get everything in a single shipment before we were splitting it off and it was causing some confusion people were like hey i got Lots this but my emails. shirt didn't come in the box what's the yeah. deal and then we had to explain it so in hindsight you know we just need to suck it up and do it ourselves and we yeah. can write notes and say they're from kevin and put them in there yeah totally hey jay how are you how'd you like that trey knight's knight's armament video i thought it was great in, in his mom's basement uh, i thought it was really cool i saw some have you seen it that yeah have you seen it, Thomas? Well, you will. I did not. I thought it was great. I did see some negative feedback, but it was just from Hardos being like, "Well, it's just it's a joke now or whatever." And it's like, it's just funny. Yeah, Knights is such a a huge company, and and they're kind of known for their obviously their military stuff. But it's like they're not allowed to have fun like the rest of us. I think every single day, Q's presence online is mostly making jokes about things, and that's fine. But when Trey does it, it's it's bad. I I know people who who oh shoot people who don't. <laughs> I'm just know. watching you Google this, and I can't see you without <laughs> my glasses on. Well, Kevin just discovered YouTube last year, and I was here for when he discovered it. <laughs> yeah, I'm busy, have things to do. Nice, all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was great though. I thought it was really yeah, it was well done. Yeah, it is interesting. People, the, the, Trey is is a hilarious guy. I've known him for. I don't know how old am I. I've hmm. known him for over 25 years. Um, been close for a long time. And, and he's one of the funniest people I know. And the idea that everyone would think, oh, they're serious. I mean, he would have been doing this stuff all the time had weren't for his dad. Right. <laughs> I mean, is is the reality. I thought it was great. <laughs> no, the video is great. I think there should be more stuff like this. Yeah, it was cool to see um, personality behind Knights, which – some people seem to not like, but I thought it was really cool to see that. But, I mean, even like Reed Jr., so his, his dad is even freaking hilarious. It's just different, you know, a different generation. Um, but but Trey's a riot. He's always the most fun anywhere you go, and, and so that really is him. Um, so I think that's wonderful. Do you, anyway. think it, do you think it'll boost – boost sales and i don't think they care I, his dad is so against selling to the commercial market right, yeah. <laughs> he just doesn't care i mean the mill and with all fairness the military has always been 
what they've done. And that's what his dad understands, and that's the space he wants to be in. And that's just his focus. Like, he loves that. I mean, he's been building stuff for, you know, SEAL Team 6 since they were established. Right. I mean, he's the guy. Um, so the commercial market, I don't think, makes a lot of sense to him. And he, he doesn't want to compete in it. You know, and they've always – they were a big inspiration to me, Knights and H&K. And they've always focused on innovation and not racing to the bottom. And their stuff is very expensive for all the reasons our stuff is expensive. It's expensive to develop new stuff. You know, the 10 years prior to Eugene Stoner dying, he worked at Knights Armament. Like, that ain't cheap. And, you know, they can't build an AR-15 as cheap as Savage or Smith & Wesson or Springfield Armory can, and they're not trying to. Nope. Um, and I don't think he cares enough about marketing. Like, right. Trey's dad, he doesn't care anything about marketing. He doesn't care if the commercial market and the general – consumer consensus is that Knights is the great he just doesn't care yeah um you know he's just not trying to win that race he's trying to build stuff for the military to you know guys that defend the country and shoot terrorists that's what he's into and has, it, has there been any other noteworthy or uh whatever the word is marketing from Knights that you can remember besides this funny video hmm no no I can't I either. can't honestly I think that's a, a point their where the stream. Their URX4 advertisement, which was a print ad, it was just like the silhouette of their new key mod handguard. No, most, thing of, I can remember. most of their stuff, like he won't give any, but when it comes to that, he's super cheap and he doesn't give budget to it. Um, no, I, I mean, I mean, even their presence at SHOT Show is kind of understated and at all the industry show, the military shows, NDIA and Sophic and stuff like this. Um, no, I can't. They did a, a really great catalog one year, about 10 or 15 years ago, that I remember. And they brought everyone. The last time that SHOT Show was in Orlando, which is about less than an hour from the new Knights Armament facility, they took a lot of people there to tour the gun museum and oh, stuff yeah. like that. That's awesome. Because, um, you know, he also has probably the largest gun collection in the world, personal gun collection, and the largest machine gun collection. Um, I think he's got maybe the largest tank collection in America or running tank collection, like within the Knights Armament facility indoors, the tank collection is so big. You ride a golf cart around to look at them. Um, so hundreds of thousands of square feet. Um, I think that's just the way he markets. Are there really any notable for good or bad gun ads over time that are super memorable? Like I only think, I only think about the, other than ours, you know. Uh, I, uh, what was that yeah. AAC one with the chest tattoo? Oh, that was after me, man. <laughs> that was that was that I was. Only, some, I only that ever that think might about be John the, Hollister's fault. I don't know. I only terrible. ever think about the H and K one with the the rounds loaded backwards in the magazine. Like that's the only one that I think of all the time. It, you know, you know what's so funny about that? That was right when Larry Vickers retired, and he was working with H and K, and he's the one that handed me that in the booth. Oh yeah, it yeah. was like check this out, man. <laughs> And then, um, actually, when I went to SIG, Bud, Bud? Bud Feeney, yeah. who was in charge of marketing, that was the biggest scar on his career and yeah. the biggest piece of embarrassment is Bud Feeney, who was at SIG. Awesome dude. I love yeah. Bud, Bud Feeney. Um, but, you know, he just wasn't keeping an eye on enough stuff. And he, yeah, so it was the cover of their catalog maybe like 10 or 15 years ago at SHOT Show. Awesome. I, I think it's the <laughs> HK45 when it was released. 
and the rounds are in the magazine backwards. Yeah. So that's and it's not even uh, it's not even in the background either. It's like right in the forefront. Oh, the yeah. first thing you see are those those rounds. Yeah, I, I mean, I think most gun marketing sucks. Like that part of our industry is terrible. I think that like that's what I liked about the Knights thing is I think more companies not knock it off, but they sh- like they should do things like that. Actual personality, like I think people. Well, I, I just oh, think I thought, you, I thought you were saying like we do that. Which I think we do as a whole. No, I mean, I, I think overall, I. it's hard when you're publicly owned or... You, yeah, that. I think, or you're a big company, you, you know, or, or even like Ron Cohen's situation at SIG. Like, he just works for the owners. He doesn't own right. that place. Yeah. So what can he do? And the image that you're trying to portray, you know, like, I don't know. And then in his situation, he's just old and he's a foreigner and he's disconnected from like the U.S. gun culture. He didn't grow up in it. And him being a foreigner isn't a knock on his intelligence or anything. It's just the ignorance to the U.S. gun culture. Right. Um, and then also like not understanding some of the parody and stuff like that. But and, and I think he's old school. And I think a lot of guys, it's like, if it's guns, it has to be serious. Right. Black skull and cross rifles, Kevin. Um. <laughs> Dude, that was so different when I did that at Advanced Armament 15 or 20 years right. ago that that was considered very radical. Like, no one did stuff like that. Right. It was almost then the culture or the belief, the marketing was you couldn't – because, you know, the gun thing has been like a hot topic for probably 20, 30 years now as far as a real political – motivator and just used as propaganda for the most part so you couldn't relate guns to like like death or make light of people with them it's most of all my career at advanced armament was we were designing stuff like knights for special operations to shoot people with i mean that's what the guns were for um so I don't, I don't, I don't know why. Like then you couldn't talk about it. Now it's like guns can't be fun. Right, it has to be tactical and serious. Yeah, I don't, I don't really. I don't know. I don't understand the marketing, but I understand that it sucks, and I understand like why Trey doing that video or stuff that we've done, like where it resonates with people because yeah. it is different. It's awesome. Yeah, and people like things other than guns. Yep. See you guys next time. Perfect. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.